quick message before the show. So this is our tech entrepreneur office hours where founders and entrepreneurs and anybody that's part of the startup world can ask us questions on how to build the best startup in the world. So um, I hope you enjoy it. Every Friday, we hold this tech entrepreneur office hours and feel free to reach out so that you could be part of it. Thanks. Hey. Hello. Can you hear me? Okay, you can't hear me. All right, I'm gonna do Yes, I can. Quick show intro. Hey everyone, this is Ken, and this is actually our VP of Partnerships, Laura. And today on Tech Entrepreneur Office Hours, we're going to go over what founders need to know before starting up. Um, I already see that we have two people looking at us, which is super awesome. Uh, on Facebook and YouTube, actually. Cool, cool. Um, and as you all know, I'm Ken Vermeil. I'm the founder of Vermilion Sky. We help startups build, launch, and grow their tech products. Um, we're most likely the best agency that has ever been created. And uh, a new addition to our team is Laura to do a super awesome intro. And then we're going to jump right into it. Yes. Um, so I'm Laura. I'm VP of Partnerships. So essentially, um, your first point of contact, um, you know, as you partner with Vermilion, as everyone should. Um, and my background is very heavy in the super, super early stage sort of startup world, right? Um, so a lot of people think about tech startups and they're like, Twitter and Facebook and, you know, just like snacks and, you know what I mean? You need like, like that kind of crazy startup. No, 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 no. I worked at that startup where you like don't get paid and you like, you know, are working at their apartment. And yeah, that's the kind of startups that I worked at, right? Um, but I love entrepreneurship. I find it so inspiring. Um, so, you know, what I've kind of moved into since I've been doing this long enough um, is consulting a lot with other founders, right? So consulted for a long time. Um, I mentor founders for um, a number of accelerator programs um, and now work with Ken also um, to work with founders, like you said, to help build and grow their startups. Yeah, and it's you know super exciting to see somebody say, look, I have this really cool, awesome idea. And then they put it on paper, we then build it and it's out there and they're making money. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, we actually pulled this off. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> People are so creative. You know, I feel like I'm always at the like cutting edge of technology because actually what you and I get to see is all the sort of tech stuff before it even hits, you know, the rest of the world, right? So like all the different ideas we hear and everything that's like in the works, because it, you know, obviously building a product and growing the business takes takes a couple of years, it takes a long time, you know? So I feel like I'm already ahead of the game just doing, you know, what we do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird when, you know, you see this janky, because usually the, the first version of the product is just something that's, it's there. You know, you, you work with a founder and then they don't, you know, have employees, they have nothing. They, yeah. you know, they're, they're still probably working at a job um, mm -hmm. to, to make, you know, income. And yeah. then a couple of years down the line, they're just like, yeah, you know, I bought a house. Um, I'm going on vacation and totally. I'm doing this. Yeah. We're, you know, hiring people, and it's it's really fun to see that that transition of uh, 
<laughs> going from you know one stage in life yeah. to another. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it'll happen before you know it. I mean, I think it's the most exciting time whenever you're, you know, you've sat there and you build something and then suddenly you have people really engaged and you have all these customers on board and you're like, oh my God, people are actually, you know, really excited about what I'm doing here, you know? I love that moment. Yeah. So let's let's jump into, um, so as usual, you know, these founders are, you know, everybody's a founder. Everybody has an, an, an interesting app idea. Everybody wants to build something even if they don't know that they want to do it which is yeah. what i always say so <laughs> what are let's talk about some of the things that uh they need to know like right before like they an awesome idea comes into their head what do you think are some of like the top things that they have to know before even even starting yeah absolutely so and this is i guess a good moment to kind of like set expectations right so um and it's funny because working in app development I can't tell you how much I agree that everyone has an app idea because if you're at a dinner party, if you're if you're anywhere, if you're a startup and someone hears you working app development, you're being pitched an app idea. They want to know what you think about their app idea. Um, so I've got a lot of that. Um, I like Twitter. Yeah, exactly. It makes it really easy to network, you know. Um, but I think uh, um, a lot of people need to understand that this is going to be a long road to greatness. You know what I mean? Like it is going to take a number of years before you're Mark Zuckerberg, you know? So I think people are ready for it to kind of be like, all right, great. So then you're going to build it now and then it's all going to work, right? You know, and just understand that like you you are going to have to push through a lot of barriers. You know what I mean? You're going to have to learn how to pivot. You're Like if you really want to, you know, see success, you better be really committed to it working because, you know, some people that I guess um, aren't necessarily ready for that will kind of hit their first barrier and drop whatever it's going on. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I'm functioning correctly. And, you know, I've been trying to fundraise for three months and I haven't heard anything and I'm, I'm you know, I'm not, you know, I, I can't move forward. It's not working. You know, um, yeah. if you really want to see it work, you're going to have to be ready to not take no for an answer kind of. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think that is something just, just be ready to take on that you know, that project and that responsibility and that, um, you know, for, for a number of years too. <laughs> um, it is, it is time suck. Yeah. I mean, which, what, I mean, essentially what you're saying is it's, it's not a get rich quick scheme, which yeah. I guess in the early two thousands, everybody thought that, Hey, I'm going to make an app and then I'm going to have a billion dollars in my checking accounts on Thursday. And that's <laughs> not how, that's just not how it works because you have to actually build a product that solves a problem. Mm -hmm. And there, there are a lot of products, you know, uh, you know, the measurement app, you could, you could measure like distances on a wall or, you know, the, these apps to like do like little cool things, but people don't, I, I guess the, one of the misconceptions as a founder is if you build a tool, the tool needs to make you money. Um, yeah. Even if you're, even if you're building a tool that optimizes advertising, right? Sure. Um, well, you, where you use advertising as the, the revenue model, you still have to convince people to consistently use your application so that when it's actually time for you to, uh, you know, at the end of the month, you make, you make some type of income. Sure. But while you're doing that, you still have to push your application. You still have to do marketing. And even if you don't have a budget for marketing, you still, there's ways. There's like grassroots. Like, there's I feel like there's tons yeah. of ways to organically grow a product. Now, obviously, like if you're talking about fundraising, right? 
absolutely put some budget in there for for marketing and for operations and all that good stuff, right? Um, but there, there's tons of organic ways to push your app. And the other thing that, you know, I think some people who maybe, you know, obviously if they're new to the, the game, as you're figuring out your monetization strategies, they really should, there's, first of all, there should be more than one. And second of all, they should be as diverse as possible. You know what I mean? So like maybe some is advertising to where you're, you know, the monetization kind of relies on um, the amount of time your users spend in the app, right? Yeah. Um, maybe you like uh, are sort of like a one-time app fee, right? So that that is based on installs, right? So like uh, almost monetizing based on different user behaviors so that you can really figure out which monetization strategy is going to be most lucrative for you. Well, how do you, so let's say, you know, I'm a new entrepreneur. How do I choose like uh, a super awesome monetization strategy that works? Like, is there is there like a formula? Is there like a spreadsheet that you use? Like, well, how do you determine that? Yeah, I hear you. Because um, exactly, I'm like kind of alluding to all these different ways. There's a number of different ways. Um, I think it really comes to putting your um, yourself, I guess, in the feet of the user. You know what I mean? Like, really understanding where the user comes from and choosing a monetization strategy that will. I guess, deter users the least, right? So like, are you building a product that people absolutely will pay $1.99 in the app store for before they even see the app? You know what I mean? Like if what if whatever your concept is, I guess, is enticing enough that you think your users, user, users wow, will do that, then awesome. You know what I mean? If you, you think they need to see the app first and then you do in-app purchases, Maybe that's the way that you're going to do that. You know, um, if you don't think users are going to pay for it at all, then then you throw advertising on there. Um, so really, it sort of depends on like how media is your the value that you're bringing to your users. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, when it comes to, I mean, part of it does come with like what your value proposition is. So if your app does a cool thing, right? Mm -hmm. You you kind of have to determine whether or not people are willing to pay for that, that cool thing. Um, and whether or not that cool thing would either save them money or, you know, make them feel good. Now let's take an example like TikTok, for example. You know, people, you know, TikTok doesn't necessarily solve a problem other than I have, I'm waiting on a line and I'm bored and I don't want to talk to anybody around me, so I'm going to watch funny TikToks, right? right. Um, but it still provides a type of value proposition in where it might seem menial at first, but it still solves a problem, even if the user doesn't even know that they're having that problem. And uh, I actually don't know what tic what is TikTok's monetization strategy. I actually was just wondering that. These <laughs> <laughs> are too old, Ken. Like, <laughs> uh, no, no, but I, I know. The, oh, no, no, no. They, they do have apps right now. So they have ads right now. They're like really pushing, even yeah. like in, my, in my email box. Uh, Right now, there I get an email from them every day saying, "Hey, advertise on TikTok." I know, I do too. Um, yeah, so they are doing advertising. Instagram, but. right? So Instagram is advertising-driven, right? Yes. Because Instagram isn't really a necessity. Now, if you think about an app like Zocdoc, for example, right, where you find medical professionals, as a user, like as a, I guess you know, you and I, we don't pay for Zocdoc because we okay. can very easily go on Yelp. Yep. You know, what I mean? we can very easily Google. Now, the doctor side does pay because the value that they bring is is money, right? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? People find them on that platform. So, you know, by nature, right, they'll, they'll get more patients or whatever it is. So then it makes sense for the doctor side of that to be paid and the user side of that to be not paid. 
So I guess that's an example of like, okay, so like how much is this a necessity for your user? AKA like how should you, how should you be monetizing? Oh yeah. I mean for the, yeah, the doctors definitely, I mean for them it's just lead generation. Totally. They're, they're like, okay, I accept these insurances and then all of a sudden I'm starting to get business and most likely, and one of the things that, you know, new founders need to realize when it comes to pricing, your solution needs to be, uh, if, if, if people are directly paying for it to get a result, what they pay for it needs to be a, a magnitude of times less than what they get. So I'm pretty sure, I don't know what ZocDoc's pricing, pricing is, but let's say it's like $200. Mm-hmm. If I'm paying $200, I'm going to want to get like at least $1,000 or $2,000 back right. from the product, which is why ZocDoc is successful. Now, when it comes to the doctors with insurance, we don't necessarily know the pricing, but what we do know is that uh, the other day when I needed a dentist, I was able to hop on and inst- instantly find a dentist and they made a whole bunch of money. Yeah, yeah. A whole lot. <laughs> no, exactly. So let's take a step back. So, so, so far we went over, founders definitely need to know that it's going to be a long process. It's a long road. There's no get rich quick scheme here. There's, it's only, it's essentially only, uh, you know, you, you have to put in the work. If you don't put in the work, you don't get anything out of it. Second thing is you really have to diversify your monetization strategy. Mm-hmm. And I'd even say that you'd have to test different types of monetization strategies so that you can be successful because mm-hmm. There are monthly costs in when you're when you're building an application, and these costs can go up and down depending on what you're doing. Right, right. And if you do the research, right, if you're looking at your competitors, then I think there is a lot to be said there, right? So um, the new app that everyone's talking about is Quibi, right? If you've seen yeah. that, which is like oh, yeah, content, right? Now that's paid automatically because so is Netflix and so is HBO. And so users understand that, okay, streaming services automatically cost money. Like I don't get that for free, you know? So like... And they came up straight out the gates whenever they launched with with that monetization strategy because in their industry it makes sense. So you know, I think if you do the research, a lot will be uncovered there. Oh, that's true. That's true. You know. So what else? So I'm trying to think. What else do you think founders need to really like know? Yeah, yeah. So something I guess that I. Um, had trouble with, I guess, or I've seen people have trouble with is how much should you have planned before you start moving? Right. And there is that in between, right. And it's sometimes it's a hard call where, you know, of course there should be a lot of planning that goes into this before you hit the ground running. You know what I mean? You like, you need obviously a business model. Um, You need a launch strategy. You need to understand how you're going to monetize, how you're going to best market the app. You need to identify um, the the problem you're solving, obviously. And from that, who your sort of user personas are, right? So like, you know, really qualifying exactly who this person is, right? Um, So a lot of planning needs to go into it. However, at some point, and I actually had investors tell me, like once you have 70, about 70% planned, just start moving because it's never going to be a hundred. Yeah, it's not. It's never going to be a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Also, yeah. because if it's a hundred percent, by the way, your product is not in the market yet. So then uh, you're, like the, the other 30% is probably all conjecture, right? You know yeah. what I mean? You're just kind of making things up at that point, you know? So like about 70% you have planned out, start going, start moving, just do it, you know? Yeah. Because even uh, <laughs> what I've found is that 
uh, in the past, we would work with people who did have 100% of everything planned. And day one of design, everything goes out the window. And now, or, or day one of, not even design, design testing with like a real mm -hmm. audience. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't get it. Or I don't like it. Or uh, it's not really a problem. Then yeah. you have to pivot. You have to, well, you don't give up there because that's just, you that's know. Not. Stage stage one. Any anything that you plan, your initial app idea is never going to be exactly what you think it is. Absolutely. What I, what Absolutely. I know for a fact is that Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of them. Twitter was supposed to be a, a texting service in where you could just text out what you're doing and other people who are like in your phone book or or, or network would just see that text. Twitter has now morphed into something uh Completely different. Yeah, yeah, completely different. That's a different beast, yeah. Yeah, and so there is a, I guess it's also important to know that your idea will transform radically the moment that it hits the market. Mm -hmm. It hit the market. Uh, you'll learn, oh, that's like, <laughs> when it does hit the market, you'll learn that um, people act differently than, than what you would think. Uh, and you, have to, you actually have to respond to the way that they act. You have to say, okay, um, they're doing this, or people want this, or people mm. say that they want X feature, but they're right. paying for Y feature. Yeah. And switch over and, I mean, business, because it's a business, you have to move over and focus on Y feature because that's what brings in the, uh, the money. Yeah, I've seen founders really struggle and for lack of, or I guess fail for lack of a better word. <laughs> but um, it's like, you know, follow the data, you know, and you know, a lot, I think to be an entrepreneur is takes a very bold, very confident personality. Um, and I, I fully respect that. But if it turns into hard headedness and you're not listening to your user feedback and you're not listening to your advisors and you're, if you're not seeking out mentorship, um, that's going to be to your detriment, <laughs> honestly. So, you know, I think, you know, when it comes to your entire business strategy, like, listen, right? Listen to, to take in all the data possible, make it a data-driven approach, respond to the data. Obviously, anytime you build, you know, a product, right, an app or a website, there's data analytics integrated in there for a reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, and, and it can show you a lot. Um, and you should be ready to pivot and to change along with it, right? Um I mean, I've, I've heard people say all the time um, that investors invest in founders, not products. No, Knowing that they need to invest in the type of person that is going to pivot, that are going to push through those hurdles, et cetera, you know? So, I mean, obviously they want to see a, a decent app idea or whatever it is too, but, but, they, but I think they know that, you know, it can change and it can pivot and your acquisition strategy can change and all, all types of things. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, definitely from an... So one thing that funders also need to understand from if you're going to get funding from an investor's standpoint, you have to understand that they have a portfolio. And in their portfolio, there are companies that make money and companies that don't make money. Yeah. You just have to convince them, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt that uh, your company will make them money. And you could do that by one um, having a nice advisory team. So saying, hey, look, this person, I, I, I'm, this person is mentoring me. I have a call with them every week. Um, here's my team. They're a super awesome development team and they're able to actually build 
excellent technology and do awesome UI UX, and their name is Vermillion Sky. And um, <laughs> there, there's a lot of stuff that you could do to convince them that you'll make money. And also getting the advice, the an, an advisory board or a quote unquote advisory board or mm -hmm. just people who will just kind of vouch for you. Having all those things in place really does a lot, not only, you know, just to give you clout, but you're going to get a lot of really good nuggets uh, from those people, especially if they've worked in your industry before, um, because they, they kind of know the market. They know how customers will react. They know what customers have done in the past. They also have some insight as to the products that are around the industry. And if you're able to show them like, hey, look, um, we're going after this specific market share and here's the problems that we're solving and um, people like us, we have great branding. Um, it'll, it definitely helps, I guess, shorten the amount of learning that's required to, to, to achieve success. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, prepare as much as you possibly can. And also there's ways to, I've seen a lot of people do this, which I find really creative. Um, because what a lot of investors want to see is they're like, well, I want to see traction. I want to make sure that, you know, people are on board with your idea. You're saying people are going to be interested in this. I'm not sure, you know, I, so I need proof of that before, before I do anything. Now you don't have a product yet, right? Cause you don't have funding yeah. and you're, sitting here like, this is a catch 22. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've seen a lot of people do really creative stuff where they, um, will do, I think, I think it was a women's lingerie brand that did like a giveaway on Facebook. If people signed up for a wait list or something, you know what I mean? So, you know, you get a wait list, sign up, you get um, social media validation, like thing, things of that nature to say, I have this many followers, I have this many people waiting for the app to drop, I have like this wait list going, I have, you know, like that type of attention, then you yeah. can kind of prove like, people are interested in this, people are, want this to happen, you know? Um, that these are my future prospective users kind of thing. Um, so people have gotten really creative on proving that they that it's viable, you know, in the market, market viability, people talk about all the time, you can really prove that honestly, before you have a product, if that's what your investor really needs to see. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, there, we probably need to do this as another like podcast episode. Um, there's a way to actually validate your idea. Um, get potential customers and uh, have a, a solid wait list for less than a thousand dollars. Literally just building building a landing page, putting some text, having a button that says sign up for our waiting list, and then putting a little bit, bit of money towards ads. As long as you know, wait, wait, you do have to know who your market is first. Yes. Because then if you don't, then you know it doesn't work. But uh, that's probably something that we'll, we'll, we'll definitely do in the future because there's a lot of value in just doing that activity. Um, because if you do have a thousand people on your wait list and your product is a hundred dollars, then that's a lot of potential money that uh, an investor will say, oh, oh, that's, we can work with this. Here's $20,000. Oh, yeah, I put um, 500 bucks towards um, social media ads that led to a wait list, essentially, just a quick type form, whatever name, email address, you're on the wait list, and I got 1,800 people in, in two months. It was just, it was amazing. <laughs> and, now, and now take that same thing. Now you launch your application, you put $1,000 towards the launch, you have a super excellent onboarding process, you 
Um, you know, you use the kind of UX, UI best practices, um, and now you have real paying customers for not a lot of money, really. And the beauty in that too is that, right, you keep that budget low at the very beginning, and then you've tested which, like, what, what does your audience respond to, right? So maybe you tested two different visuals, and you're like, okay, so this one really won out. Um, or you test like, you know, because and uh, you know, social media advertising, at least you can choose interests that you think align with people that would be interested. And then you're testing those audiences. So by the time your product is out and you're actually putting a lot more money towards the advertising, you've already tested exactly what's most optimal for you to put money towards. You know what I mean? So that's really how, you know, the marketing budget should scale anyways. And you can continue to build upon that, create lookalike audiences, target the right people, scale, make money, all that good stuff, which is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think a huge, obviously a huge barrier to entry as a founder is the funding, um, yeah. the fundraising thing, finding angel investors. And it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard already, right? And, you know, I have been in this startup industry for a long time. So, you know, I have warm intros and I can attest it's still difficult. So, you know, if you're coming from, you know, a bit outside the industry, I can imagine how difficult that is, honestly. Um, I've also seen people take really horrible deals, like really, really bad deals, really like bad. 20, <laughs> um, 20,000. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're like, here's here's thirty percent of my company. Like, what? Yeah, are you kidding? <laughs> um, I've seen some rough and and that paperwork sign, and then it's it's a done deal, you know. Um, and you know, investors, you know, are kind of in the business of looking out for for themselves a bit in a way. You know what I mean? So they're your partners, but also you know know that they have their own interests in mind as you're doing that negotiation piece. Um, I. I have personally stalled my own projects by months because I only had bad investor deals offered to me. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So it's not worth it. You will get investment. Like you will, you will find it. So taking that horrible deal is just, it's not, it's not worth it at all. Um, so I would just keep on pushing for, for what a good, and, and it's hard to tell what a good deal is. And that's a whole nother podcast too. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I definitely don't think that you should give up so there's, so there's a lot of things that you could do when it comes to, so when people, there, there's, there's like money funding, like we need money to build this product. And then there's equity funding, which is I need people to work on certain parts mm -hmm. of the product to, to get to where we need to be. Um, both are a, a little bit more difficult now because of uh, the current startup culture, which is just like, yeah, work for us for four years you'll get a thousand <laughs> stock options because we're going to be the next unicorn when in fact, nobody can guarantee that even the best, even if you're like ex Google, ex Uber, like mm -hmm. if you're, if you're a whole bunch of ex employees from these companies, there's no guarantee that, uh, I mean, unless you're like employee eight or employee nine, right? Yeah. Usually these companies are like employee 1,018. <laughs> and, I'm not saying that these companies are bad. I love these companies. I use them all the time, especially Uber. Um, yeah, especially Uber. <laughs> um, but what I am saying is that there's no guarantee, right? There's, because it's not about who's building the product. It's more about who understands the users that the product 
is tailored towards. Mm -hmm. Which I think is the most important thing as a founder, your users and user feedback and understanding how your users interact with your product, that is the most important thing that you can know. Because once you launch your product, uh, if it starts gaining success, uh, somebody's going to try it and, and duplicate that success. Especially if you're bringing in a lot of money, especially if you're bringing a lot of funding, all that stuff, somebody's going to try to duplicate it. And usually the only differentiation between the first in market and the person that comes right behind you or right behind the, uh, right behind the product is the person who really gets has a deep understanding of the customer, mm -hmm. which is why MySpace is where it's right now and Facebook is where it is at this point. It's true, it's yeah. true. And and there is market share, right? So like I always yeah. explain to people like Uber and Lyft both exist, don't they? You know, yeah. um, so you know, if you see something in the market that's, you know, pretty similar to what you want to do, but it's not quite like, you know, let's say it, it's um, you, you're your own user essentially, right? You, you did this yeah. idea because you sat there and you're like, this is an annoying process that I have to go through. I want to make this better. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there is a way to, to do it better. And there is a way to like tackle that, you know, grab some market share from whatever's going on. So I wouldn't necessarily be completely turned off by something. Like if you just start doing the competitor research and you're like, oh, this already exists. Well, if it doesn't exist that well and you can do it better, that's still a huge opportunity. It is. Because I always tell people like how many different types of shirts exist? <laughs> There's sure. a, there are shirts all everywhere. Yeah. There are different yeah. types of shirts. There are long sleeve shirts, D necks, all of these types of shirts. Every yeah. year, somebody goes out and they create a new type of shirt, and then they market it to you on Instagram for you know what <laughs> not to buy it. Um, but I think I think that's I think we we covered most of the the core things that founders need to know. Yeah. Um, and as always, uh, we're here every Friday, except for the past couple of Fridays. But we're now we're back every <laughs> Friday. Um, we'll be interviewing more founders, entrepreneurs, people who are in the industry, mainly so that we can allow people to really get the gist of being a tech founder, understanding the, the different things that you know might come up, and ensuring that everybody has the best opportunity to become successful. Um, Laura, you've been excellent. Thank you again for your time. Um, and um, as usual, please email us. Send us uh, high kudos. There might have been chats here. I did not see them. But I will be looking at the chats later on. And if you have said something or if you send us an email, I'll always get back to you. And uh, thanks for watching, everyone. Bye. See you. Take care, guys. <laughs>